Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. I said, be a part of the revolution that legalizes a healing plant and, you know, will provide greater medical access to people. Perfect. You're learning a lot. Good for you. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. And welcome back to the Cannamom Show, where we are in our fourth season of talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. All right, so this weekend, Dave, I attended the sixth annual The Harvest Cup competition in Worcester, Worcester, mm. Mass., it is the premier New England cannabis competition that includes an expo, speakers, demonstration, vendors, and this year, a wedding. Really? Who's getting married? I don't actually know, but oh, there was okay. a wedding there. Um, okay. <laughs> so do you know your New England cannabis factoid? Do you know how many states are legal? How many in New England? Uh, no, I don't. So uh, let's see. There are one, two, three, four, five, six New England states. I got that. I'm doing well so far. It's better than most people could do, honestly. <laughs> I think Connecticut's not there yet. I, I know that. And I'm going to guess Vermont Vermont is. It's probably one of the first. All right, that's two. I'm going to guess the Rhode Island is a yes, I think. I think, is Connecticut the only outlier? No, the only outlier is New Hampshire. They only have medical. They don't have adult use. Okay. 
Just New Hampshire. So it live is, free or die, people. It, I, is, I it, is, it is legal in, in Connecticut? I didn't think that was true. Yeah, yeah oh, okay. I think that was this year. So it's oh, okay. uh, five, it okay. five states are everything New Hampshire. There's actually, this is true, a random New England fact. There's a dispensary on the border between Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And their exit, because the exit could possibly go onto New Hampshire, um, like cross the border, right. they could only have their, the exit could only be on one side of the building. Oh, oh, that's funny. It's like you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave if you go through that <laughs> exit. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's New England. Back to me. All right. Yeah. So I did some networking. I caught up with some friends. I got a little holiday shopping done. That wow. Fun. Mm -hmm. Way ahead of the game. I'm jealous. This is not a joke. I picked up a recipe for a cannabis suppository. Oh, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. No pun intended. What, what, what? <laughs> How, you, you make your own suppository? Yeah. Really? If I met an herbalist, you can okay. find anything here. So it was a great weekend. But and, wait, um, when you make it, what oh, sort yeah. of, is it like uh, a putty or like a meatball or something? Like, what does it look like when you're done? I, when... I, I believe it is probably, it's like a probably coconut. I haven't made it yet. I'm assuming it's a coconut oil. It's probably sort of solid and then it, you know, dissipates. I don't know, Dave. This, I'm not. A, I'm a lawyer. You're a lawyer. We shouldn't even have to talk about these things. <laughs> I I didn't know I was going to wake up this morning discussing DIY suppositories, <laughs> and uh, I'm all the better for it as far as I'm concerned. That's why it's fun to have me in your life. So I'd love to be a judge next year. If anyone out there is listening, reach out. I don't know what I could judge, but I'm sure I could be something. I could do some fun stuff. So they had like, you know, salves, flour concentrates everything that any of these growers and producers are making cookies gummies everything so i'd love to try out some stuff and be a judge next year yeah okay. i hope they're listening come on Thank get the listening. can of mom in there yep okay that went longer than i thought all right i'm just gonna keep talking all right and you know that i like to encourage our listeners to keep their glass very clean their can of accessories i talk about it all the time you would not eat off a dirty plate or drink from a dirty glass so why would you smoke out of a dirty bowl right hell yeah Oh, yeah. Okay. So a little later, we'll be speaking with Jim Barry, the inventor of Mile High Cleaner. And honestly, he really knows how to keep your glass clean. You're going to learn a lot of stuff. And then one more thing. It is that time of year again. It's NECAN, the New England Cannabis Community Awards nominations open this week. And last year we won. That's right. I have not forgotten. And are, yeah. you, are you eligible again this year? Or? Well, in order to be eligible, people must speak up and nominate me. So if you would right. like to see the Cannamom show on the ballot again this year, maybe we can win two years in a row. Check it out. It's in the show notes. It's on our website. It's on the NECAN website. It's in our newsletter in NECAN. NECAN form. I don't know what it's probably under. Probably New England Cannabis Community Awards. You can just Google it. So yeah. just nominate us. Yeah. There's a lot of other people, uh, categories, best dispensaries, best products, all sorts of things you have to justify. Why you're nominating, just so you know, they don't just, you have to actually, they actually ask you why you're nominating these people. So I think they're trying to make it more, they don't want to be able to start out names and stuff. So, well, we keep the word going for the Cannamom show. You're the incumbent and it's always hard to run as the incumbent, Joyce, you know, but we're. I thought the incumbent has the like leg up. They already have like the people behind them. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You got momentum. I love, but, but I love I, I love elections. I'll talk elections all day long. And I'm not going to talk about elections today, but we know it was a good week and I'm like <laughs> things are moving forward. Agreed. 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 We're happy. Um we are. Okay. Before I move on, anything new with you? You spending time with your family for Thanksgiving? Is that the plan? I have no idea. The the 
you know, the the pandemic has, at least in my family, it, it's like a surge of apathy. Like people, we didn't bother really getting together during the pandemic, and somehow that apathy is continuing. So I don't know if I have any place to go. I'll go out my my parent. I just moved my parents into a new apartment, so we'll we'll probably go over there. How about yourself? There's lots of, well, I know this is one of those years we've all split up because my mother passed last year. Right. I've talked about that. And um, my daughter is actually not going to be home. People are going other places. So we are actually having a new configuration. We're going to my sister-in-law's with my sister. So it's like two different families, the Mishpacha moving together. So that's going to be our Thanksgiving. That's There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. It'll be better <laughs> than my, my parents usually say, just go to Subway and get that Thanksgiving sub that they do with the turkey and the gravy and a sub roll. That's what they want. No, no. Okay. No, no good. All right. Um, Are you going to make well, the turkey? You're going to make the turkey? No, I never no, cook. I'm not okay. a cook. You know okay. that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants me to cook. All right. So, but my listeners today, you're going to get the chance to meet one of my family members. So let's just go ahead. Let's introduce today's guest. All good. All right. Today, we are having a true intergenerational can of conversation because my guests today are both 21-year-old University of Arizona seniors who I know very well because one is the Canna Mom Show social media manager and the other is my daughter. Here today to both answer my can of questions and to ask me once they surely have about cannabis and parenting. Looking forward to that. Here today to have an intergenerational can of conversation. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Teresa Palmquist and Bridget Lampkin. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hello. All right, let's just start. So you are both in Arizona now, which is a legal state. Yeah. Uh, Bridget grew up in Massachusetts, which is a legal state, but not her whole life. And you're in, Teresa, in Missouri. You grew up in Missouri, where just uh, the ballot initiative just passed. So let's start with Teresa. So just basically, what was it like in Missouri when you were growing up? What did you think of cannabis? And let's just start from there. I don't think I really knew much about cannabis until I got to high school. And obviously, it was illegal. So, like, we didn't have dispensaries to get to acquire the cannabis. But then I came out to Arizona, and then it got legalized pretty soon after we moved here. So it was a lot easier, but... So before you had moved to Arizona, you had never seen anything, any, any legal cannabis dispensaries or any legal mm-hmm. cannabis spaces or? Had you- no, not, not even like a medicinal dispensary, at least like in 10 miles of where I live. And then so, Bridge, you were young when it passed here. So what's your memory? of? I mean, and then you have living with me. But what was it your experience? Like, what did you talk about it in high school or what did you think of cannabis? And then obviously there's a shift where you knew that I was supportive of it. I would say just in general, when I was in high school, and I was it in high school when it was passed. Uh, you were mm, twelve, I think. Yeah. Oh, so no, 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 you're older than that. You were probably it was 2016, 15. You were 15. Okay, so I was like just in high school. Yeah, 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 just in high school. I don't think I honestly thought about it too much, but I remember it being an exciting thing because that is a time when people start experimenting. But yeah, now. It's just become so normalized, which is a cool thing because I feel like I just see it everywhere, especially in Arizona too. Okay. So when I talk about my own cannabis journey, I talk about, I talk about it recently, but my true introduction was through Uncle Stephen, <laughs> who is my older brother. I, I do believe he had a, he had something in the car and he was driving me to Hebrew school and wanted me to see it to make sure I knew what it was. <laughs> so you are both younger siblings, correct? So did your older siblings teach you anything about this plant or was it something... You just discovered on your own. I would say partly 
Yeah, I don't think my older sibling completely taught me about it, but I definitely he taught me a lot. I would say, especially when I was first introduced to me. And so, okay, so you came in an era where you could actually get vape cartridges, and there are different things that were actually available. I started with flour that was in like God knows what we we're actually consuming. So, what was the first thing you actually tried? How did you? Do you remember how you felt actually? Actually, Teresa, do you remember the first thing you tried and how you felt when you used it? And yeah, do you remember? And, and yeah, the thing is, oftentimes people use cannabis with alcohol. So I try to discount a lot of those, but do you remember mm. the real first time? Yeah. Yeah. So the first time I like actually smoked was like with my older sister, but I didn't feel like I really like felt the effects. And then the first time I remember like really like being high was. In high school, my friends and I had like a Friendsgiving. So we had all this food and my friend got like a chillum from her older sister and we, you know, acquired some flour and we like smoked it and like the her basement stairwell that led outside and it was like November in Missouri. So it was freezing, but we were ridiculously high. And we were just laughing and we ate so much food. Like that was probably, and I still like remember that. So many. That's, that's actually, I mean, again, so because we talk about it like a drug, like it's something so dangerous. And I remember, you know, I can kind of remember being young and this idea that you're trying this thing that could actually hurt you and then you're having fun with it. I think it's mm-hmm. like a weird um, disconnect. So yeah. All right. So Brad, do you want to share with me? Yeah, I got you. So again, I would say similar for the very first time. I spoke with my friend Rainer and we did not, I would say we just didn't know how to actually smoke. So we did not feel upset. But then another time following, we were spoke out of an apple. Oh yeah. Before we had anything fancy like a ball or anything. And we were in her basement. We're smoking and say they were just hysterically laughing. We heard her mom come downstairs and we just like did not know what to do with ourselves. And it was just really funny. And obviously Louisa was okay with it. But it's she's that's a, she's a cool mom. That's funny. All right. So that was so your early experiences, young. And again, I talk about cannabis for health and wellness for women my age and older. That is really how I talk about it. One thing I do know about your generation is a lot of your friends and you know, even Josh's generation, we medicated those, you know, we medicated a lot of those issues away, which I think that cannabis could actually benefit them. So I don't know if this is something you see with your friend group. Is this something, you know, have you seen some of, I mean, I guess my experience with it is some of Josh's friends who were using cannabis early on when I first sort of discovered this plant and they, they were using cannabis and trying to get off some of their medications and wanted me to speak to the parents, but I just didn't have the knowledge. So have you mm-hmm. seen any of your friends who have been medicated, you know, through high school, through whatever, mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, use the cannabis to address maybe the anxiety or some of the other issues they're having instead of whatever the medications? Have you seen that in your friend group? I don't know anything like to the extent of not taking medication anymore, but I definitely think that a lot of our friends will aid anxiety and stuff with smoking. One of our good friends at college, actually, he had, he has cancer and... Oh. He, he's going through treatment right now. It's not like technically chemo, but it's like a step below chemo. And he says that smoking really helps with those side effects. And that, I mean, that is a, that is a real thing. I talked to, um, I think she was a oncology nurse. And she said to me, once she could tell who was consuming cannabis. And I said, how? 
And she said they look pretty good in the waiting room. I believe it. Also, on my boyfriend's mother also recently, just vegan. Right. And when she was, was going through chemo, she was smoking. And just in recovery, she was smoking. And that helped her a lot, just like with pain. So that's Most. interesting. So I will say when I was growing up, I would not have known anything about grandma's friends smoking pot. It just wouldn't have come up <laughs> in a conversation. I mean, it just the, the idea that it wouldn't be something that we'd talk about. So this is actually shifting a lot. And it's something I talk about with the can of moms. Like you sort of grew up with it. You were a teenager when I kind of opened up to it. But a lot of these uh, moms are young and their kids are just, it's just normalized along the whole generation. So do you feel like it's becoming more of a normalized conversation and there's not like so much hiding or shame or scariness about what's going to happen to you? I will say definitely to some extent. I feel like some people will still have their own opinions on it. People in like generations that, again, they thought it was just like a very hard drug. They have a different interpretation of it. But amongst you, like, you know, by your age group, like even like with drinking, like there was, you know, this uh, drinking is completely acceptable. If you wanted to smoke a joint back in the day, you had to like hide in the alley with your friends. Is that still a thing at parties? Like, how does that work? No, I don't know. No, not, I mean, it's not like we can like smoke a joint like in a bar yet. Right. But, like consumption. Yeah. Yeah. But no, like, yeah, we smoke all the time socially with our friends. Okay. So it's not bad. Okay, that's good. All right. Let's go move on. All right. So I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask Teresa, what do your parents think about cannabis? And what did your sisters think about this? You know, you have an older sister and a younger sister, right? Yeah. So my mom claims that she has never smoked weed in her life. Okay. And honestly, like, I mean, you met my mom. Like, I, I believe her, honestly. I think she could really benefit from, like, I don't know, maybe not smoky, but like, I don't know, popping an edible. But my dad, he went to college and... Colorado and he definitely smoked weed in college but now he really they I mean they know that me and my siblings do it but they think that we're gonna like outgrow it and that it like isn't good for your brain so they're still there and do you know how they voted on the initiative so I told them to vote yes and I'm, I hope, I mean, I hope they did. I pushed for them too. So well, what was I your they were a part of the revolution. What was your argument? What did you tell them? I said, what did I say? I said, be a part of the revolution that legalizes a healing plant and, you know, will provide greater medical access to people. Perfect. So you're learning a lot. Good for you. All right. So you said... University of Arizona, that's where you are now. It's a legal state. You said the can of culture there is pretty normalized, you know, say on culture, on campus. Yeah, I would say so. Like we just went to a meeting. Oh, I was going to ask it. So you're from Missouri. Bridget's got friends, you know, obviously from Massachusetts. Well, New England is all pretty much legal. But have you, and, and, you know, when you go back home and you talk about this, do your friends, are they all having different experiences or does this seem to be what's happening on campuses across the country that it's just, I mean, it was always sort of normalized, but now it's legal. So it's different. Yeah. Well, one of my friends from home goes to school in Florida and the other one goes to school in Arkansas. Oh. So it's not legalized in either of those places. And it's really illegal in Florida. So I, I mean, and again, like if people want to smoke weed, they're going to find weed. And so I know that they don't have a problem necessarily smoking weed, but. But you can't be as open. Right. 
Yeah, I think that that anxiety around like getting caught or getting in trouble, like that's something that I haven't felt in like in a really long time. Or just like these people don't know exactly what they're smoking because. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. I, I mean, the, again, I mean, want to come back to voting and like, you know, policy stuff like this. It's an issue that young people could get behind. I, there's actually a, you know, cannabis political organization now, I think. So whatever. This is good for everyone. <laughs> We're moving forward. All right, let's just sort of go on to like normalization. So Bridge, grew up here. Would you ever imagine that you have grown up in a house that would now have a cannabis porch? And Honestly, no, definitely not. And do you, you know, do you have other parents or families who are sort of as open as we are about it now? Do they know what I, you know, do for a living? Do people ask you what you, you know, are you ever in a situation where people are bad-mouthing cannabis and you have to defend it? I would say not really. I don't think I've ever been in a situation where people are bad-mouthing it necessarily. But I definitely think that we have the most open cannabis household of my friends. But I do have a few friends whose parents do openly smoke. Like friends from camp. I have a friend. Right. Father. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he openly smokes and like talks about all the time. And I think he's like a big advocate for it as well. So. It's, a, it's a normalization. Okay. So I know that you are into like, you know, you guys take care of yourselves. You're living in your own house. You have an ardent decarboxylator. You have access to all these things. Yeah. Do you ever actually cook with the cannabis? Do you ever try to make um, brownies? Do you ever try to make oils? Have you ever tried to actually do anything like that? Is that like a thing? So when that was first sent to me, which we love it, we did make banana bread. That's we did. Just because we're college kids and we don't have money to like buy the... I know that's the issue. Yeah. That's our issue. <laughs> but when we first got it, we did make banana bread and it was really good. We gave it to our neighbor and it was... It was really good. Yeah, we like thought we killed him because we didn't hear from him for a few days. And we were like, oh, he's just like, but he had given us some brisket. So we felt like we had to get yeah. him. So we, like, we banana. Yeah, he soaked a bunch of brisket. And so then we like made this like loaf of weed bread. And then All right. Made- so did you, did you have any sense of like how much was in there? Like what that is? That I don't dish- think it was very much though. We, yeah. I think it was on the lesser side for sure. That's so funny. Um. All right. I'm going to actually take a break for a couple of minutes because we have another guest here who's going to talk about cleaning their stuff, which we could come back and talk to you about how important it is to keep your things clean. You know that. So we'll be back after we talk to Jim with Teresa and Bridget, and hopefully they'll have some questions for me, or we'll just talk more about cannabis culture and young people and what they think the future is going to look like. So we'll be back after we talk with Jim. All right, Mr. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today. I got your products a few weeks ago and I love them. I love all of it. I'm like a weird clean freak. I talk about this on the show all the time. It is just, I know this is an audio podcast. I'm going to talk about this. It comes with so many brushes, brushes for every size, everything you could possibly imagine, including the cleaning product, which I don't know why I'm holding this up because no one can see it in the little bottle. And the most amazing thing is the magnet. So I don't know, let's maybe just talk a little bit about how you came up with this idea and specifically how you came up with this magnet cleaning idea. It's such a good thing. Well, everything that I do is by need. And to give you a little background on why I came up with all of this stuff is for 32 years, I was the vice president of a company that specialized in uh, as a contractor to the federal government. Okay. During that time, I ended up learning all about VOCs, poor indoor air quality, the Clean Air Act. Wait, a minute, so you work. Wait, so you're working for the federal government. What was your relationship with cannabis? I had none whatsoever. I had none. Okay. When I was a teenager, but had given it up because it would jeopardize my my contracts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Couldn't do it. Didn't. And 
during that time, I actually had uh, 15 broken bones, nine concussions, a closed brain trauma that cost me my visual and verbal memory. I had totaled two motorcycles into deer and one in Jeep I 70. So I was a prime candidate for. A- yes, you are. Yes. I'm going and getting the card and I, I started smoking and I realized that the same solvents and chemicals that the government had been telling me for 32 years was the bad stuff that I needed to do special mitigation for and all kinds of different things. Well, these are the same chemicals that we use to clean the bong, specifically isopropyl alcohol. Right. So, okay. So let's go back. So the only way I ever knew how to clean a, well, I didn't know how to clean a bong. And then my son's friend showed me how to clean a bong with salt and alcohol. And then I will say during the pandemic, it was hard to get alcohol. So I was trying lots of different things or just saving it, but just say why you, what you understand about the alcohol and why it really isn't the best um, product for cleaning our our glass and other smoking things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Basically isopropyl alcohol was introduced by Standard Oil Company in 1920s. It is made from fossil fuels. It actually has a lot of different problems in the fact that it's one of the major contributors to poor indoor air quality and as a VOC contributes to ground-level ozone. Now, ground-level ozone, if you're in a big city, you've seen those alerts, and the reason they put them out is because old people, young people, and even infants or people who've been, you know, compromised with flu or COVID or something, they can actually die because of the lung issues of ground-level ozone. As a matter of fact, a million people a year are attributed to an early death because of ground-level ozone. Well, ISO is made, is considered a major contributor to ground. Uh, in addition, there's, there's a number of other problems with the product, but rather than uh, well, let's let's go in. And it does. It's a little bit wasteful. I mean, it's like a little bit hard to whatever. There's like a lot. Of, you know, there's other ways to clean, but I never actually heard. So like, so you have like this. You know, there's something wrong, and you know, there's a better way to do it. So how do you like move forward? Yeah. Okay, so let's take it into consideration that cleaning a bong like this would normally take about that amount of ISO. Right. And the reality is, a single serving of ISO is actually. Oh, I can't. I'm not really showing you. Yeah, so you know. It's so when you clean, so if you if you're a person who cleans their glass, you know that you fill it up, you know, significantly with some alcohol, and then you put the salt in and you shake it up. So that's a, like a large amount. And it, Right. And then when you get it, when you get it for like, you know, for the doctor, you're cleaning up a wound. It's a little tiny patch. It's like a little bit. Right. Yeah. And when you consider that they still are wanting to reduce that amount for a number of reasons, one of the biggest ones is that isopropyl alcohol is actually been used so much by hospitals to kill germs and bacteria that Mother Nature has reacted to it and started making germs and bacteria that are stouter. They, there's actually 25,000 cases per year inside hospitals of alcohol-resistant bacteria that have a thicker cell wall, which means that they have, are impervious to isopropyl alcohol. So we're moving away from alcohol, but we're going towards you. So what did you design? Oh, what did you figure out? What did okay, you make? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you're correct on that. So is cleaning it by using toxic solvent. Yep. I changed the whole game by changing resin on a molecular level so it's no longer sticky. We use plant-based oils that have enzymes, acids, and natural properties that encapsulates that resin so that it's easily washed away. The plus is it's extremely efficient. 
So literally, instead of using like 3,000 drops of ISO to clean a bong, you're using about 1% of that or 30 drops to clean a bong if you use tools. And the reason why this is important is because we use tools for everything. We've actually made it to the point where tools are the standard for cleaning, whether it be the toothbrush and toothpaste that you use or the foaming brush at the car wash with a special detergent. We make tools. Right. Well, I've made tools to go ahead and clean every bong that I own or every pipe because I've thought it through and said, okay, this would be easier. So I've designed literally bong brushes that are up to 16 inches long that can clean the main deck and get past the triple uh, little ice catchers in there. And it's called triple brush. Yep. But also the... uh, the Canamag, which you're familiar with. Yeah, so just I'm just going to describe this to my... So I have... I'm pretty... I clean my stuff every time I use it just because I'm a weird old woman. But it doesn't really get that dirty. But I do get a little bit of that grunge on the side, which is hard to get out. And this magnet, it literally scrubs it off. So can you just explain how it works? It's like it's like when I used to take the kids to the Children's Museum, they had the sand table and you kind of made designs. That is pretty much how it feels to me. Yeah. Yes. And that's basically it. Yeah. A lot of people are familiar with, say, the aquarium cleaner, where it's a magnet on the inside of the aquarium and then another magnet on the outside that guides it and scrubs off the algae. Well, this is the same thing, but much more powerful and much smaller. Mm-hmm. There's three sizes of, of magnets. One of them is a tiny, tiny bar for getting into percolators and small tight bonds and you know, tubes and bubblers and things like that. Then there's the main magnet that is for doing almost every ball. And it's mm-hmm. the, the red colored main magnet is the size of a pencil eraser, mm-hmm. end of a pencil. So yep. that's comparatively tiny, but it actually has almost enough power to lift a small ball. Mm-hmm. So it's got it's, enough. So I, I, I've been using this the past couple of, well, the past week or so, and um, I'm having a good time with it. And I actually think it's a great gift. I'm talking about things that people could be getting their family members who are sophisticated stoners and do like to keep their products clean and don't necessarily want to use lots of alcohol. So this product comes with a lot of benefits. Just not, it's not just the product. Tell them you know, really about what you offer and what you're like, you know, giving to people who want to, you know, invest in this sort of cleaning system. Our our best deal is actually the deluxe cleaning kit, which has all of the brushes for cleaning pipes, all the brushes for cleaning bongs, and that Canamag scrubber. But included in it is lifetime replacement for all of those tools. So once you buy the kit, you never have to buy any more tools for the rest of your life. As long as you're ordering more cleaner, just say, hey, I need a new replacement size one number brush. So you're able to go ahead and continue cleaning but the original bottle itself, which is a small two-ounce bottle, it seems yeah, like it's not very big. Most, yeah. most people would use for a sample. That's enough to clean an average 10-inch bond about 50 times. Mm-hmm. So once you are done with that 50 times, I mean, you have the choice. You can either clean it once a month, 50 times, and you've got a four-year supply, <laughs> and you're stuck with a disgusting bond that's growing germs. <laughs> Or now that it's so cheap that it's less than a quarter to go ahead and clean and you've got the tools, you're able to go ahead and clean it every day. And it, and, and everything tastes better and smells better and just looks to the whole ambiance because we want to give ourselves a better reputation. So just, just give out the best way for my listeners to find it and to reach out to you if they have any questions. 
Well, you can find it at milehighcleaner.com. That's our best location. And I do recommend the deluxe cleaning kit. Now that's a $45 kit, but if you use the code turn black, like your bong is turning black, it will give you 20% off and I'll include free shipping. So it comes down to about $36 for lifetime tools, 50 cleanings, and reducing the amount of uh, toxins, solvents, and fossil fuels by not using the isopropyl alcohol. Excellent. Because we want the cannabis industry to be a better industry, and this is moving it that way. So thank you, Jim. Thank you for sharing with us. I will be keeping my stuff clean because I like clean stuff. And uh, hopefully I can convince my Canna college friends to do the same. Thanks, Jim. Thank you very much for having me. All right. We are back with my University of Arizona seniors, Teresa and Bridget. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah. When was the first time you sucked weed? Oh, the very first time. I do think it was with Uncle Stephen. I think we were... Going to Hebrew school? <laughs> no, it was with my friend Jennifer London. And I think he was showing us, he must have been in high school. We must have been 14 or 15. And he was showing us how to roll a joint because he thought that was something that was important. But I wasn't really a fan. I, I just didn't quite get it. But then in college, not even in college, in high school, I do remember, it's always your camp friends. Don't you think the camp friends are the ones who introduce you to the things, those Jewish camp friends? Yeah, Auntie Nancy, definitely with Auntie Nancy and my camp friends. I remember doing like the same thing as you did, like having lots of food and finding a joint. And I don't even know where we got it from. That's kind of my memory of it. That's funny. Do you remember yeah. the first time everybody used rolls of meat? Was that at the Cape House? Yeah. Yeah, I actually tell people the story. It's pretty funny. So I don't know if you know this, Teresa. So the year we had, Rick and I went to Denver and we had our Cannabis Awakening and we came home and told the kids everything. Yeah, I thought that was so funny. I, that's before I knew they smoked and they were like, yeah, we're taking a cannabis tour. And I was like, okay. Like I had smoked maybe once in my life. So anyway, so we were at the, so we came back from Colorado. We told them everything we knew about cannabis was wrong. And for some reason we were at the Cape House without any of my other family members. I don't know where everyone was. And, and Josh had a bong. I think Josh had the bong. Yeah, and we were in the back porch, and I think Bridget was upstairs. I went so, to take a shower. Yeah, you went to take a shower, and Rick and upstairs, and I see my family smoking weed. Rick and Josh and I are in the back that porch of the cave house, and Bridget was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> but then I don't know. And then I always talk about how during the pandemic it was a thing that kept us calmer together. You know, I don't know what was it like when you went home for the pandemic, Teresa. Smoked a lot of weed with my brother and my sister. <laughs> In the freezing cold. Mm -hmm. The weed demic outside. I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I think it's, I thought it was really good for us to be able to sit. I don't think drinking is that great for us. I mean, I don't drink that much anymore. Don't you think drinking is can get you like a little crazy, especially? Yeah, yeah. especially if like that was what we had turned to during like COVID times. Like that is not, you know, that wouldn't often good. Yeah. So, so I don't really, yeah, we would really just sail on that porch every night. Yeah. And I, I do say, I think it helped me be calmer i do talk about like when you guys were little i probably could have been a much calmer mom i could have been on the ground more and playing with you but you know yeah. live and learn you know i got better as i got older are the questions for me i can ask you so what is your favorite way to consume i would say that we enjoy smoking of a bong but like in community aspect we like to share joy yeah enjoy. like when you're smoking with your friends it's fun to like pass it around yeah do so you do fun. You you are out there in Arizona, so you have a lot of nice weather. So you get to be outside in nature a lot. Is that a nice thing? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we break to smoke outside when we can. And then go on walks after. 
behaves it. So that's why. Yeah. I think that's healthy. That's like you're in nature, you're experiencing things. All right. So your favorite way is that you ever try, have you tried concentrates? Do you dab? Are you a dabber? Oh, yeah. Really? I don't <laughs> well, yeah. Like no, no, no. Yeah. But I would say our, like the COVID year we were here, our sophomore year, we had a bunch of guy friends and they really enjoyed dabbing. Mm-hmm. So we did that a lot. And honestly, since then, I have not really yeah. done it, but we've had it in the past. And that is something else. Yeah. Sure. And freshman, freshman, yeah, freshman year, year when so we like couldn't smoke weed in the dorm, like, like our friend, like he was like my neighbor, like we shared a wall. He he had like yeah. a like a dab rig in his room and stuff. So we would like we'd like we'd smoke dabs in the door and like blow them out the window because apparently that was better than yeah. <laughs> so okay, that's interesting. So it's the smell. It's always the smell. <laughs> and it didn't make smoke. Same it doesn't make smoke. Yeah, hmm. learning well, something new all the time. So, uh, so wait, okay, so now you guys are legal and you're in a legal state. So have you have you gone into different dispensaries? Have you experienced different ways that they're actually like, I guess, marketing it in Arizona? Is are there any people actually marketing it to college students? How do how do the what's it yeah, like? There? Yeah, yeah. Both of the dispos that we go to, like, there's one like literally less than half a mile from our house, and then there's this other one, Prime Leaf. And both of those dispensaries offer like student discounts, and they're really good. Discounts, yeah, obviously. Well, that's interesting. All right. So they do want you to, they're trying to get new customers. And do you see, yeah. Yes. When there's like festivals or stuff in Tucson mm-hmm. in the area or like markets and stuff, they usually will have vendors for the dispensaries just yeah. to like promote it. Yeah. And usually like the crowd there is like college students. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like this music festival we just went to over the weekend, like three of the major sponsors were dispensaries. Yeah. Arizona is different. <laughs> I mean, it's a marketing issue. It's hard for kind of businesses to market. So they have to be very sort of one-on-one, interactive. They can't do a lot of the, you know, social media stuff. They get in trouble. So that's interesting. And have you developed a relationship? Do you have any like favorite ones? And what is it that you like? I mean, when you first went into a legal dispensary, what did you think it was going to be like? And what was it actually like? I will say the first legal dispensary I did actually go to was when I was in California because I had just turned 21 when I was with Sarah. Okay. So those are obviously like a whole different story than even like just any other state because California has just been there for so long. So, so was it was it posh? Was it fancy? Was it big? Um, was it fancy? Like it looked like you were in a candy store type thing. Like it was really cool. Oh, and really? The, the ones here are much more like low key. I would say I haven't been to Prime yet. I've only been to downtown. Yeah, and I like Prime because it is posh and I like the aesthetic of it and a like. Downtown is so it's kind of like a bank. Like you go up yeah. to like it's, it's very colored. secure, and like you can't like see anything in front of you. But like at Prime, they'll like let you smell stuff or like look at stuff. And you see what Yeah, I still don't like the Yeah, because that is a big discussion about, especially for women who want to go shopping. They want to be able to feel like they're comfortable and they want it to actually be a shopping experience. So I've seen in more of the adult use in Massachusetts, they're laying things out by um, experience. So if you want to sleep, these are some of the products they would recommend. If you want to have pain. These are some of the products as opposed to being like, I want the highest dose THC flower that you can provide me. You know, there's different ways of like marketing this. So, mm-hmm. And what are they trying to sell you? Do they have like beverages now? Do they have like all sorts of food items? What do they have in their dispensaries? Um, yeah, I all, all that stuff. There's what like- I will say at downtown dispensary, the one that is a bit less posh, 
they have like a big iPad where you can view all of your options mm-hmm. rather than, which I feel like some people might prefer. Yeah. And do they do delivery? No. Maybe some of them. Are- you can pick up. Like you can order stuff. Order on. Yeah, they have delivery out here. And uh, have you heard anything about consumption lounges? I know they're trying to get them into Vegas. I don't know what's happening in Arizona. Is it illegal in Vegas? Yeah, but the we so the problem is with consumption. You can buy it, but you can't consume it anywhere because we don't have consumption uh, lounges. So in Massachusetts, I know they're trying to get them. I'm pretty sure in Vegas they're coming. It's going to be the Amsterdam of you know America of you know like cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> and our friends were in Amsterdam and they were telling us that they were those. So they were telling us that you can like smoke anywhere. That All right, so lounges that you belong to and just go anywhere. So you ladies are only 21. You live in this world. It's all happening and new. What do you imagine it's going to look like? Like when you're moms or when you're grown up women, like do you imagine this being part of your culture? Is this something everyone, like my generation, maybe you consumed in college, but then you stopped because it was dangerous. But what do you think your future looks like with this plant? Yeah, I would hope so. Like that there's lounges like that. That would be cool. Just like making it as normalized as alcohol, I guess, because alcohol is Mm-hmm. horrible for you for real as fun as it is so yeah <laughs> i think i imagine like i don't know when we're a lot older like being able to go into a dispensary and they're not being like the security guard there because every dispensary i've been in and like i'm sure it's like that in cambridge like there's still someone checking your id and stuff but it's not like that at a liquor store i think it, they're just not treating it like plutonium but yeah we're heading in the right direction i think oh. all right well this was fun i talking to you guys anything else you want to tell my guests about yourselves or you feel like you've sort of exposed everything they need to know i think we've exposed so once again thank you for joining this intergenerational conversation some things i didn't know maybe some things you didn't know about me so now we're just you know it's all about openness and communication all right so that's another show for my guests Teresa and bridget thank you for joining me today and of course my cannabro david jazz and Jim Barry, thank you for our special guest and our Canon Mom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canon Mom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while, while we, we break, break it all down. down. Thank you.